Hi, my name is William Earnhardt, and I am here to share with you love and obedience in the light of the cross. In one of my favorite books, Gospel Workers, page 315, it says, The sacrifice of Christ as an atonement for sin is a great truth around which all other truths cluster. In order to be rightly understood and appreciated, every truth in the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation must be studied in the light that streams from the cross of Calvary. I present before you the great, grand monument of mercy and regeneration, salvation and redemption, the Son of God uplifted on the cross. This is to be the foundation of every discourse given by our ministers. Again, Gospel Workers, page 315. So I want to share today, why do we obey God? And it's out of love. Jesus uh, says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. He doesn't say, if you're afraid to go to hell, keep my commandments, or if you want to go to heaven, keep my commandments. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so love is our motivation. And that's why it's so important to know the truth about love obedience in the light of the cross. In Desire of Ages, page 480, it says, It is not the fear of punishment or the hope of everlasting reward that leads the disciples of Christ to follow him. They behold the Savior's matchless love revealed throughout his pilgrimage on earth, from the manger of Bethlehem to Calvary's cross, and the sight of him attracts, it softens and subdues the soul. Love awakens in the heart of the beholders. They hear his voice and they follow him. Again, that's Desire of Ages, page 480. So for our further study on love and obedience, let's begin with 2 John chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. The question here is, what are God's people to walk in? 2 John 1, 4 through 6 reads, How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded. I am writing to remember, I'm sorry, I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another just as you heard from the beginning. So God wants us to walk in the commands of the Father. And he says, this is not a new commandment. Now, earlier in the book of John, uh, Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. You know, kind of the same thing here, that you walk in love. But here it's saying it's not a new commandment. Well, how do we reconcile that? Well, there's a little trick question riddle I like to ask people. And the question is, before Mount Everest was discovered, what was the tallest mountain in the world? 
And the answer is Mount Everest. Even before Mount Everest was discovered, it was the tallest mountain in the world. So it might have been new to those who discovered it, but it's still been there all along. So for the disciples who were full of selfish ambition, always arguing over which one of them would be the greatest and sit by God's uh, Christ's right hand, to them that idea of putting others first was new to them. Love one another, that was new. It was a command from the beginning, but it was new to them. So God wants us to walk in the commandments and to love one another. In 2 Timothy 3.5, we see a warning that is given about some Christians. 2 Timothy 3.5 says, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Again, that's 2 Timothy 3.5. So we don't just want to act religious and then reject the power that can actually make us godly. We want to accept that power. Why? Because we love Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4 we find a warning about what some last day Christians will do. And again, 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4 reads, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way. It reads, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. If we truly love God, we'll want to find out what the truth is instead of coming up with myths that are pleasing to us. But in the last days, many people will turn from sound Bible doctrine and chase after myths that are pleasing to their ears. Now let's take a look here at Romans 3.28. It's very important while we're studying obedience and following God's commandments. How are we saved? Romans 3.28 says, So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Again, that's Romans 3.28. All right, well... If we're made right with God by faith, does that then do away with the law? Romans 3.31 answers that question, and I quote, Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. That's Romans 3.31. So we're saved by grace, but grace helps us fulfill the law of God. Let's take a look now at James 2, 17 through 20. So you see, faith itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. 
it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish! Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? James 2, 17-20 If a child who can't swim has faith in their father, they will jump in the pool when the father says, Jump in and I will catch you. If the child does not have faith in their father, they will not obey. Likewise, we show our faith by our good deeds and obedience. I will not lie on my tax returns because I have faith God will provide for me. I obey him because I have faith. If I disobey him, that shows him that I don't really have faith. All right, let's take a look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. How does faith work? And in the New Living Translation, it says, What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Or in the King James Version, it says, A faith which worketh by love. Okay, so it's not faith or works. It's a faith that works. And it doesn't work by a hope of reward. You know, if I do good things hoping to get to heaven, that doesn't make me a good person. Because if I'm doing good things just to get a reward, it would stand to reason I would do something bad to get that reward. You know, again, cheat on your income tax, you get a bigger return. There's your reward for doing what's wrong. But if I'm motivated by love, then the consequences don't matter. If I'm motivated by love, I'm not doing what's right out of a hope of reward or out of fear of punishment. If I'm motivated by a hope of reward, Satan can work right with me and give me rewards for doing bad things. If I'm motivated because I have a fear of punishment, well, Satan threatened uh, through Nebuchadnezzar, threatened Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with punishment if they were faithful to God. So if we're motivated by fear of punishment or hope of reward, Satan can work right with us. But Satan has no power over us when love is our only motivation. A faith that works not by hope of reward or fear of punishment, but but Galatians 5-6 tells us this faith works by love and love alone. So in Ezekiel 33:31 we see that that more than just lip service is required. It says here in Ezekiel 33:31, so my people come pretending to be sincere and sit before you. They listen to your words, but they have no intention of doing what you say. Their mouths are full of lustful words, and their hearts seek only after money. 
right? So obedience is very important because it shows us when we really love God, we really have faith with him, or are we just offering him lip service? All right, let's go back to the book of James. James chapter one, verses 22 to 25. And the question here is, who is fooled and who is blessed? And James 1, to 25 says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You know, it amazes me. I've met, uh, by the way, that's an end quote there from James 1, 22 to 25. I, I've met people, I'm sure you have too, who try to fool you into thinking that they're a Christian. But it says here, when we don't do what God's word says, we're not fooling other people. We're only fooling ourselves. So who receives salvation? Hebrews chapter 5, 9 says, In this way, God qualified him, Jesus, as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. End quote of Hebrews 5, 9. So who receives salvation? According to scripture, according to Hebrews 5, 9, those who obey him. And let's take a look now at uh, Matthew 19, 16 through 17. What did Jesus say we must do? And Matthew 19, 16 through 17 says, someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Matthew 19, 16 through 17. Now, I've I've heard people say that, that Seventh-day Adventists mislead you. They they get you into the church by talking about grace, and then they turn around and start talking about obedience. Well, friends, that's because as Seventh-day Adventists, we teach the entire word of God. And here in Matthew 19, 16 and 17, it's not a Seventh-day Adventist saying, if you want to receive eternal life, keep, keep the commandments. That's Jesus talking. If you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. All right, let's take a look here at James chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. What happens if we break even one commandment? James chapter 2, verses 10 through 12 says, For the person who keeps all of the law except one is guilty I'm sorry, let me start over. Uh, James 2, 10 through 12. 
for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. James 2, 10 through 12. Right? So remember, the, the whole purpose of the law is others first. God first and others first. So it doesn't matter which command you break. It, you break any one of those and you've broken the spirit of the entire law, which is God and others first. So let's take a look now at Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 27. And the question here is, who are the wise and who are the foolish? Matthew 7, 21 to 27. Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Matthew 7, 21 through 27. So again, it's more than just lip service, uh, like we were reading earlier in Ezekiel. It's more than lip service that God needs, not just crying out to him, Lord, Lord, but actually doing the will of his Father. Because again, he says, many will come with that lip service and he will tell them, Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So again, what does Jesus tell us in John 14, 15? I quote John 14, 15. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Again, he doesn't say if you want to get to heaven, keep my commandments, or if you're afraid to go to hell, keep my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. So as as we continue studying God's word, and we, we might find things that might be contrary to our inclinations or preferences, and we're tempted to think, well, I think I can still make it to heaven, even if I don't go by this one Bible teaching. God loves me. He'll still let me in. Let's remember it's not about that. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So as we continue studying God's word, I invite you 
to ask the Holy Spirit to change your life, even change your heart, whenever you come to a Bible teaching that may not at first sit well with you. And instead of trying to explain it away, like it talks about those in in, uh, 2 Timothy, those that have itching ears and just want to hear what they want, instead of doing that, let's fall in love with Jesus, embrace his entire word, and follow all of his commandments because we love him because he first loved us. Friends, I would love to hear from you as you're studying God's Word and as you may have questions. Uh, reach out to me at racer3 at gmail.com. That's R-A-C-E-R-T-H-R-E-E at gmail.com. Again, you spell out the three in racer3 at gmail.com. R-A-C-E-R-T-H-R-E-E at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you, and God bless you as you continue studying His Word.